Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Conference USA basketball fans? This is your boy, Alex. Nigga, coming live from El Paso, Texas. I got my man out in Birmingham, Alabama. Dave West. Dave, what's going on, partner? We have Dave. We have Dave. Oh, we lost Dave. We lost Dave. So I'm going to kind of wing it solo until we can get Dave back. Uh, working on some uh, working on some audio issues here. Obviously, if you listen to the Minor Rush podcast, you know it's not a blog talk radio podcast with some audio issues or connection issues, whatever the case may be. But we're definitely here. Episode number four of the WCUSA Hoopscast. Everything Conference USA Basketball. Uh, interesting week last week. We kind of primed it last week as an important week for the conference to kind of take a step forward in terms of earning some respect and earning uh, you know, some RPI wealth in a sense. And there was definitely um, there was definitely some issues going on this week with some losses here. So trying to get... Yeah, um, you're you're breaking up a little bit. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine, man. I can hear you fine. Hopefully, like I was telling the folks here, it's not a it's not a, a blog talk podcast without some audio issues, and I hope that, it, that people can hear this decently uh, over the air. And uh, that's kind of bring you in, Dave. I was kind of opening it up with the week that we thought it could be last week. We weren't sitting here kind of uh, prophesizing that Congress USA would come out and take a step and, and win some of these crucial games that they, that teams drop. But we did know that it was an important week to, to gain some type of respect, to gain some RPI uh, headway. But it just didn't happen, and it was – I personally think that it was a disappointing weekend because of what could have been with a couple of losses. Just kind of your thoughts on what happened last week. I feel I feel the same way. I think you hit it right on the head. Um, we, we went into the weekend ranked um, number 14th um, overall, and, and right now we're at a, a 16th. So we fell back a couple, fell back behind um, the Sun Belt, who we've been trying to, you know, kind of battling back and forth with, and they've got some really good teams. But, but, but the biggest thing is we lost some 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 good opportunities. Uh, Rice falling at Pitt on Saturday was big. Uh, Marshall falling at Akron, and that's just that's just a, a mid-major game that you kind of need to win. And um, Charlotte didn't show up at Florida. I mean, it's one thing losing, and then, then there's losing in that fashion, losing by you know 40 points. And then on Friday night, before the weekend even got here, um, FAU, who I've been pretty, you know, pretty high on, they, um, they, they, I believe they held it to like 18 points against Miami, and they, I mean, FAA, they looked pretty good, but they just weren't making shots early. And against a team like Miami, if you aren't hitting your jump shot, they're, they're, I mean, they're just going to sag in defensively because they're just so big and so athletic. You have you have to stay on teams like that, and you have to be scoring, you know, um, just about every other opportunity, if not every opportunity. Before I bust I was talking about Middle Tennessee because that was that was a team that really stood out that could really really make some headway nationally in terms of recognition. Getting ranked a very solid team, but they kind of took a hit against VCU just in terms of, of keeping it rolling. Even though that was a really close game. I mean, I watched it from start to finish. It was a fantastic game. And I I look at it, and, and I don't take anything away from uh, Middle Tennessee in losing that game. It was a close game from start to finish. Um, VCU came out hot. It was a sold-out arena. They have, they have – I think they've got, like, 
It's like 60 plus games now that they've sold out at home. It's just, it's one of the toughest mid-major places to play in the country. And what VCU did to come out and start was they, they made, they made middle Tennessee play in the half court and they weren't turning it over early. And they made Tyreek Dixon, the freshman we talked about last week with Aldo, they made him play point guard. And you know what? He did pretty darn good. At the end of the day, he only had two turnovers and had three assists and 12 points, which is a season high for him. But, um, I mean, the real story for Middle is Ja'Cory Williams just, just showed just what kind of player he is. He was the best player on the court. He had 17 and 14. He's playing tons of minutes. I mean, he, he rarely coming off the court. He's just a man among boys. So um, looking at it from, you know, from a couple steps back and, um, as far as an at-large uh, view for Middle Tennessee, I don't think it takes anything off their resume. Um, they still one, have one of the best RPIs in the country. They have so many quality wins already. I think it, it's just kind of like a push for them, if you could say that. Follow that about it. And, you know, it's just, it, you know, as disappointing as you know, any loss is, I still think that this team is definitely going to be a factor, obviously. Uh, but going back to what you were talking about, when you mentioned another game after that, I mean, the Akron-Marshall game. I mean, Marshall is a very, very good offensive basketball team. I mean, everybody that calls college basketball knows that. But defensively, my gosh, I mean, it is. Granted, Akron is a very, very respectable team. I think they've won 20 games in 12, 13 years straight running. So that's not a bad loss per se. But defensively, this team is having issues. I think I saw before we came out, they were laughing how much you would say. And defensive points allowed for game. And that doesn't tell all of what your defensive issues are. But if you call back the past couple of years, I mean, this is more, they're going to have trouble winning games, particularly in commerce play. They just cannot get simple stops. And I think that without Yes. Uh, looking more closely at Marshall, what they've done the last five, six games, and I've kind of lo- I've been learning a little bit more and more about about Marshall's roster. They're they're having trouble with depth, and the biggest two losses that that they've had during that five, six you know um, time period is C.J. Burks, which is a sophomore guard of theirs, who's a great player. He came back today and scored double digits after not playing the entire season. And then you got Terrence Thompson, who's who's the only other you know quote unquote big, other than Ryan Taylor. I mean, when when you don't have those two guys in the lineup, you know, beating good mid majors on the road is you know pretty much impossible. But and give them credit, they still scored um, eighty eight points on the road, and uh, Stevie Browning had thirty one. Austin Loop is is playing very consistent basketball right now, and and that's what they need from a senior, you know, a three point specialist. He hit five threes. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt until they get those other two guys back in the fold, which they expect to. Neither are lost for the season. When C.J. Burks, Terrence Thompson are back in the lineup and they're playing healthy, I think Marshall is you know back to being top five, top four team in the conference. Defensively, definitely not a niche area that they've carved out. Let's get to the big elephant in the room for the fan bases we serve. Who <laughs> we start first? We start with UAB's Coast Car. We start with the Miners. Uh, no show. <laughs> I, I could I could not hear you. What did you say? <laughs> I, I said we'll, we'll go with the big elephant in the room for both of the fan bases that we serve. Are we starting with UAB's Coast Car? 
headliners to no show on Saturday or Sunday actually. Here's a Sunday. We can we can put we can start with Southern just because I feel like maybe there's at least some positives there, and that's what I said in my post game. Um, you know, despite playing a SWAC team, you know, we're fifty and we were fifty and zero going into that game against the SWAC team. Um, despite playing the SWAC team to overtime, there was some positives. Dirk Williams has been you know just cold as ice for the past three four games, and he has five three pointers, which is which is great. We we did we did something kind of weird to start the game off. We started a freshman, Nate Darling, the the kid out of Dematha, the, um, the, the the he's a six three um, uh, guard, and he basically, I mean, and I like Nate Darling. I think he may be that being a pretty darn good shooter and pretty darn good basketball player. But he played like significant minutes to start both halves, and he never even got. A, I think he had like one field goal attempt. So like he was just a vacuum of space, like offensively. And, and Lord knows you're not playing a kid like that, you know, for his defense. I mean, he's a he's a he's a white kid from Canada. Let's be completely honest. I mean, he was out there to maybe get some, you know, get threat behind the arc. So we started off both halves really terribly because of that, in my opinion. And and but 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 I give give Southern some credit. I mean, these SWAC teams, you get you get them on a roll. You let them hit a couple outside shots, especially these guys, these teams that have some older guards. And, I mean, they got some guys. They have some ringers on their team, and Southern's one of those. I mean, they'll 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 play with you if you let them have some open shots. And I mean, we we had some good defensive moments, but we had some lapses that left them open behind the arc, which is something we've seen all season. But um, yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not upset with the game overall. I think we had enough positives. I'm, I'm just glad to see a couple of guys shoot better. You know, Dirk Williams primarily. I'm glad to see William Lee, you know, take take a lot of shots. I mean, he he was out there looking for his shot. I mean, sometimes he just he he'll ghost in a game occasionally. He'll just he'll kind of just evaporate, you know, you know, out in the perimeter when he's a, when he's a player that can be really good in the mid range and off the dribble. So I mean, overall, we, yeah, we we skated by. We barely won. I mean, it was a tip in shot to win the game from Chris Copley on a um, offensive rebound, but a win's a win. And hell, we got to go to Texas on Wednesday, so I mean, I'll take any positivity we can playing a team like that. I think you have fans will just take a win <laughs> at this point of the year. Uh, moving on to UTEP, I mean, it's just, there's not much positive to say. I mean, it's it's, it's a mess. It's a mess defensively. Uh, you know, UTEP is continually just gets drilled, and it's possibly this is my theory of it. You go back to Tim Floyd's days at USC and, and all the stuff that he always talks about. He's had Lane to be able to collapse the paint on the drive, and that's UTEP's big thing. That's Floyd's big thing, to be able to collapse the paint on the drive. But UTEP does not have that length and that quickness to be able to recover and close out on shooters. And that's where you see teams like Northern Arizona, uh, FAU a couple of years ago, just really just go ape shit from three point line. And that is what you're seeing. And then on the offensive side, UTEP jumps out to a
But yeah, uh, like, I, like I said before, if you followed the Rush podcast, the Minor Rush podcast that we hosted, there's always some sort of audio issue. And that was probably the <laughs> minute start of a podcast I've ever had done in my life. Uh, but we're back. And I was done ranting about UTEP before we last left off. And I, I'm, I hope I hope, and I hope, don't hope you guys heard what I said, even though I basically said it's going to be a long year for UTEP. But let's move on to our next topic that we're looking at. And well, basically, what a, a full week, a full week left of conference of non-conference play, a uh, full week talking about seven full days, and then conference play starts next, not this coming weekend, but next weekend. And there's been a lot of different guys that have really stepped up individually for their squads and, and look like guys that can not only carry their team into Birmingham, but carry the pace that they're on into a conference USA Player of the Year. Now, Dave. I'm going to throw – we're both going to make these predictions right now. Who's your non-conference player of the year? We've already talked about kind of the, the candidates a couple of weeks ago, Eric McCree, John Elmore, Ja'Cory Williams, Marcus Evans, Igor Kolachov. If, I had to, if you had to do a post tomorrow about who is your non-conference conference USA player of the year, who is it? In terms of, uh, like, uh, actually, like – turning into wins, I would say Ja'Cory Williams. Um, he's performed night in, night out, and, they, and they've got W's to show for it. They're 10-2, and two, you know, and, 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 and um, he's been fantastic. He's been just seemingly unstoppable every night. He's a southpaw, which is really hard to defend when you're in the interior. Um, and I, maybe up, you could say Eric McCree as well because the double-doubles he's been putting up. I mean, in the last six games, he's had five double-doubles, but it hasn't always resulted in wins for La Tech. So, I mean, if you're asking me that question and, and as far as guys in the non-conference who, who have uh, been fantastic, you know, player of the year conversation guys that has resulted in wins, I'd say Ja'Cory Williams. He'd be my pick for Middle Tennessee. And, and I want to give the people good radio and disagree with you and, and go back and forth. <laughs> But I can't. You would. I, I mean, maybe, maybe. Okay, what really sells me on Jacory Williams being the non-conference player of the year is what he did last week, averaging a double-double, back-to-back double-doubles, and, and arguably one of the toughest non-conference for mid-major slate that you have, if you will, going to Belmont on a Wednesday and then going to VCU on Saturday. That right there sold me. And another thing that I would have been thinking about, and you made a great point a couple weeks ago when we were talking about this, is. There's there's a there's a different category for guys for transfers like Jacory Williams, but but the way that this guy's playing, we talked about it with Aldo Amado. I mean, he's really raised the level of play because of what he can do. He's really taking this Red Raiders or the Red Raiders, the Blue Raiders team 
to a different <laughs> level in terms of that athleticism, see living in, see what living in Texas does for your whole life. But I think he, he, right. he upgrades them with that skill set, with that size, and that ability to really almost do it all at, what, 6'8", 6'7", however tall he is. I mean, that really is kind of different for me. And, and what he did last week, I'm the biggest Marcus Evans fan you, you are fine, and I've already said that before on here, but I think what he did last week trumped what Marcus Evans has done. And that's not taking away what Marcus Evans has done at all because he leads the conference in 20-point scoring games with seven so far this year. That could probably end up into the 20s. Hell, possibly even the 30s as we move on. And we and his teammate, Igor Kulichev, who we just really, really sucked him off last week in a sense, just very justly. But, I mean, yeah, so many talented guys. But Ja'Cory Williams, to me, what he did last week pushed him over the top, no doubt. Well, well think about the two teams that he played. Think about Belmont and VCU. I mean, yep. those are like the op- opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of personnel and the way they like to play in style and things like that. And he showed up to both games. Ja'Cory Williams isn't in those games. They don't win either on the road. Well, granted, they, they lost at VCU, but like I said earlier, I, mean, I, still, I still view that as a push for that atmosphere and, the, and the, being a TV game. It was just – there was so much emotion going on that game. That, that, that arena was just lit. But, he, gosh, man, he's – what a steal, man! I mean, I mean, Kermit Davis is. I mean, there's. I mean, there's little doubt he's going to win Coach of the Year. The way that he's built this roster for this run going into Conference USA and the wins that he's gotten in non-conference, but yeah, I mean, I think he's it. Uh, I think he. I think he's been the best player in the non-conference. I think he is not quite front runner of Player of the Year projections going into conference play. Because I think the way that LaTeX built, I think Eric McCree still has that advantage. And hell, I mean, they're both, at the end of the day, they still got to beat out John Elmore, who, who is the second-year guy. He's a junior, and he's at Marshall. He's got all the, all the ingredients that um, historically Conference USA wants in player of the year. Looking at the freshman of the year so far, and, and it's safe to say there's really nobody that's kind of running away with this or really kind of – turning full heads like we've seen the past couple of years with the William Lees that have came in. Obviously, Marcus Evans. You have no freshman right now currently ranked in the top 25 and scoring of Conference USA. But you did note some pretty good freshmen, and I think the guy that I've, I'm really, really looking at at the forefront is Jalen Ingram from FIU and what he's done. He's a 6'7 forward, uh, 10.2 points per game. He's had five double-digit games uh, scoring so far. That would be my pick just because of FAU's big win and what he did against Ohio State. I'm going to have to look to see exactly what he did in that game. But that's a guy that really, really is kind of changing. I know you've been high on him. Who is, is that kind of your number one or is that your 1A, 1B? Where do you see him? And is there anybody else that can kind of – that's really stood out? Because like I mentioned, no freshman has kind of stood out in terms of being that star, but they've really been able to help their team kind of succeed in a sense so far. Jalen Ingram, he's been he's been really solid for FAU, and they and they needed someone like that. He's been coming off the bench, and he started a couple of games as well. He kind of uh, fell off the radar against Miami on Friday, but for the most part, the entire team did. Uh, they were it was just it was a tough game for them. But I think he's my one B because my one A is Taquan Bracy for La Tech, uh, running running the point guard position as a freshman. He's had eight assists in each of his last five games. That's like Dominic Artis numbers right there. And he's a freshman. That's fantastic. 
I mean, he he, he only has eight point three. Yeah, he only has eight point three point uh, points per game. But I mean, that's going to go up. It, that uh, that's all, but a, he's assured assured to go probably a bump up to around ten or eleven points per game. But if he's averaging somewhere in that six, seven, eight assists per game as a freshman, that's extraordinary. And his turnovers are good. Um, it, it, the personnel around him's good. He's got a lot, he's got a lot of veterans around him. I don't. I just don't see anybody jumping him. Like I, I like Jalen Ingram, but he he's he's a forward forward, and uh, on a team that's got a lot of players just like him, he can kind of get lost in the mix. So I mean, I, I would say Daquan Bracy is almost to to a certain degree he's almost going to kind of run away from run away with it. I'm going into conference play because because Tech's great in conference play. They have been. They're always there in the conversation. And if he's playing point guard, he's going to get. I mean, he's going to be stats up. Is he a guy that reminds you of maybe a, a Speedy Smith 2.0? <laughs> a little bit, but he's shorter. If I'm not mistaken, he's like 5'11". He's, like, he's a smaller dude. And I've had, I've had like a lot of trouble getting tech games on, on, on uh, USA TV. Either like something's probably the wrong with mine or the, the server or whatever, but I've only seen tech like in person this year like once. So <laughs> I don't, I, I'm just strictly going off stats. And based off what I read from you know on LaTeX forums and things like that, but but that that's what that's what LaTeX does. I mean, they're, they're the dunking dogs. They you know they love to dunk, but more than anything else, they're point guard you. It's next in this next guy up. It was Speedy, and it was it was Alex Hamilton, and now it's Daquan Bracy, and they're getting this kid as a freshman. Like he's who knows what he's going to turn to in the next three years. No doubt about it. definitely a name to keep an eye on here as we. Head into conference plan. I'm gonna throw a little curveball at you, Dave. And, and you know, this, it's kind of a tough one, obviously, because you when you look at coach of the year, you want to look at full body of work. But non-conference, who are you looking at for the coach of the year? And I'm gonna go first, and, and, and I, I'm gonna give it to the, the the head honcho at the top right now of things, and that's Kermit Davis. And why? It's easy to give attending to whatever record that they are right now. Obviously, sitting pretty at top of the standings, but. You know, this it's been a while since Middle Tennessee has kind of had expectations like this. And I think Kermit has done and we talked about this last week about how Kermit has sort of stumbled. He's stubbed their toe the past couple of years, once, twice, maybe even three, four times in games that they shouldn't have in a non conference. But we may we broke it down last week of how Kermit's been able to kind of take the bull by the horns with this team, with the talent, and be able to kind of just shake those demons out. Kermit is my vote. I really think he's done a great job of, of building chemistry and adapting to what he has. And obviously the ability to, to lure in and recruit a guy like Ja'Cory Williams, that goes a mile in the way I look at things. Who are you looking at? Who's been that coach that's either made that big move, whether it's recruiting that we can look at since it's a non-conference, or has just won a string of games that's really, really impressed you from a coaching standpoint? I mean, I think it's Kermit's to lose. Uh, CUSA has shown in the past they, they, uh, they're more likely to give it to a coach who um, – who, for one, hasn't won it before, and two, a coach that wins the non-conference, uh, excuse me, the, um, the regular season CUSA. They, they like to give it to guys like that. And, and um, if I'm not mistaken, I don't believe Kermit Davis, since he's been in, in Conference USA, I don't believe he's won uh, Coach of the Year. So I don't see – yeah, I don't think so either. Um, the only other coach I could think of uh, or coaches would be, would be one of these teams that kind of comes out of nowhere, maybe Jeff Jones or – or maybe a uh, uh, Conkle out of La Tech, if they come in and you know and fight for a good you know two spot, three spot in conference, 
But I mean, it's Kermit's to lose. I mean, wow. it, the planets are aligning in Murfreesboro. Uh, the the coaching's great, the personnel's great, and and I'm psyched for them. You know, it's a, it's a good program. I mean, you need programs like that to do that year in year out. No doubt about it. So, anything that we didn't cover from last week that you wanted to talk about, or something that maybe kind of stood out to you, was there anything, or did we cover that all in that opening? Because those are definitely a rough opening for us, audio wise. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we're coming into our own. We had we had a rough one today too, but um, you know, we, we 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 were talking earlier today before we went on that we're gonna we're kind of all we're building up to first of the year going into conference play where hoping to have have things stable with our audio and we're going to have you know at least a guest every week that's the goal and you know and then talk about what well, I think is going to be a really really competitive conference USA there are there're going to be some good storylines there are possibly even some things that can come up between now and uh, December 31st which is the first game that's Saturday before the new year um the, the and, and I, I'm I'm psyched I I this is what I think one of the deeper Conference USA um, um, standings that we've had in a long time. I think there's, you know, seven, eight teams, maybe even more than that, that can beat each other at any given night at home or away. So um, I like where we're going moving forward as a conference. I like where we're going moving forward as a podcast. <laughs> we just got to work through a little quirks here. Hey, who who would have ever thought it'd be hard to do a podcast in Birmingham and El Paso at the same time? So. It's, oh yeah, so right. kinda, we, we are we are a thousand miles away, so we do get some type of slack for that, right? <laughs> yeah, we we do. And and why, why don't we go over some of these games that we have this week before we, you know, we're gonna have some dead period here going, and before Christmas, you want to hit some of these games? Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, obviously there's some. It's sort of you know it's a holiday slate, so it's not kind of that big slate that we saw uh, coming in last week, but definitely starting off tonight. Uh, West Virginia, I saw uh, Marshall handing West Virginia uh, Westland pretty handily. Uh, we'll get you a Rice score here in a minute, and also a Southern Miss score. But what kind of jumps out at you this week as you're looking around at last-minute preparations, last-minute tune-ups before December 31st? Well, the, the, the first uh, of the big games, like uh, CSA teams against power teams, um, it comes up Tuesday when Charlotte goes to Maryland. And Charlotte's just had a really, really tough, te- tough time against power teams in the non-conference. They've gotten mm-hmm. um, they played a lot know, of them. Them. Yeah, and they well, not even just power teams. Hell, I mean Davidson was one too. It is it's had a tough time on the road, and and they're going to Maryland. And um, Maryland hasn't had too tough of a schedule this year. They haven't played a lot of marquee games, so not a lot of people are talking about Maryland. But Maryland's really good. But uh, one thing you can kind of look at with Charlotte that, that'll it's worth watching that game is uh, the Clemson transfer had his first game of the day against Florida, made his first appearance of the season, and he had 12 points. His name is Austin Ajukla, and he's good. Man, he's long. He's good. He looks like a power player on a team like Charlotte. So I like him. And what I, what I also really, really like, I think it's going to be fun if you can get the feed, is uh, Florida Gulf Coast, you know, Dunk City, is going to the Dunkin' Dogs in Ruston at La Tech on Tuesday afternoon. And, and Tech beat them in, at their place last year in a home-and-home. Home. That's going to be really, really sexy. Um, what, what are you looking good. at here on, a, on Wednesday? Yeah. 
That's a, that's a really, really good home-and-home, home, just to kind of elaborate that. Let's go back to some scores real quick that's going on right now. Like I mentioned, Marshall handled West Virginia Westland 81-65, and right now Rice taking care of business against Northwestern State up 11 with about seven minutes left until halftime. And in Southern Mississippi, God bless the Golden Eagles tonight. They will face Mississippi State on the road. That's actually a 7 o'clock start my time, 8 o'clock Dave's time over there. Essential. Yeah, yeah, it's on no it's, yeah, it's on TV. So if you want to watch a um, you know, you know, you want to watch a a funeral, um, ESPNU <laughs> at eight o'clock Central or nine o'clock, you know, whatever you are, Mountain Time over there. So seven p.m. Mountain. So yeah, you're looking at Wednesday. Obviously. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know math. <laughs> Me neither. I'm just a blogger. <laughs> Wednesday, there's the Wednesday. There's three big games that I I really really like. Obviously. Uh, you're going to get into the UAB in Texas. But Georgia State at middle, that's a, a, another solid game for Kerman, for them to be able just to bounce back. I mean, that's really kind of, you know, the key here for Kerman is just kind of bounce back from a tough week, uh, up and down week, get that big win Wednesday. You lose Saturday against Virginia Commonwealth, but a chance to kind of get right, get your mind right, get these these guys back into that taste that winning. And then Ohio at, at, at uh, Western Kentucky, you left a note here for me, Dave. Big for conference perception, and I totally agree. Conference USA, outside of that Akron loss, has done pretty well against the MAC this year, even though Mac, the MAC is probably rated higher, don't have those numbers in front of me. But that is a huge game, and not and not only – for the conference, but I think for Western Kentucky, and we've talked about their lack of depth. We've talked about, you know, those their big three really have to come to play every night, and that is a, another opportunity for these guys to continue that, or greasing that wheel for Rick Stansbury to get this team, get this team to a point where they can compete in the top five of the conference. Because I think if those three guys, Q Johnson, Justin Johnson, and Pancake Thomas, if those guys get going, this team is going to be dangerous on certain nights, certain matchups in Conference USA, and that's going to be interesting. And then uh, the one of the worst college basketball games that I will be at, unfortunately, Maryland Eastern Shore and UTEP, two of the worst teams in conference or in, <laughs> in, 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 in the country, in the Conference USA, in the country, in our entire CUSA conference, whatever you want to call it, the miners and the struggling Maryland Eastern Shore fighting Hawks the Don Haskins uh, Invitational. Now, oh, no, I will get to watch a really good mid-major basketball game that I hope you're jealous of because I'll be able to watch UC Irvine and Akron, which I think is going to be a hell of a basketball game at 5 o'clock. Oh, hell Looking yeah. Forward to that. Yeah, that's going to be a damn good game. And it's crazy, that quirk. I, I, I think this is a really interesting quirk. UC Irvine came in here last night. They're playing in Las Cruces against New Mexico State tonight. Get a day off, and then you get two solid games you're more than likely going to play uh, – probably will play UTEP tomorrow. I'm not sure. I haven't made a prediction yet. But those are two solid mid-major games for UC Irvine to come in here and get. I think that's a really nice scheduling quirk. And then, obviously, this is a game I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on the limb before you elaborate on it. And I'm going to say UAB is going to get right on Wednesday night. Texas, the way that I saw them struggle, I guess, if you will, even though UC Arlington's a really good basketball team, I think this UAB team matches up so well with Texas in terms of the athleticism, in terms of having some depth down low to be able to, to kind of push back with the Longhorns. You know UAB more than me. What are you looking at? What does this matchup tell you? Uh, and it's, a, it's a much better matchup, you know, compared to like maybe St. Mary's. Uh, where we just this is a terrible matchup for us given our personnel right now. Uh, Texas is not a great three-point shooting team. They've only got one player who shot double-digit threes, and, um, and, it's, and he's hit like 23. They're big, they're long, 
that they're really stout on the interior, but UAB has really held their own on the interior. They haven't let very many players that aren't, you know, NBA, you know, lottery picks score on them. In the, yeah. Fourteens in the country in blocks, man. Yeah, I mean, the, the blocks, just to help defense, I mean, we're stingy from the inside. We'll, we'll make you hit it. We'll make you beat us from three. And, unfortunately, we have let teams beat us from three. But, but we very rarely, especially with a team like Texas, that their, their interior piece, the, the main one's Jared Allen, which is the five-star shock smart guy at the center. He's fantastic. He's going to be good. But um, he, he, but it's, it, I like I like us against the freshmen. I, I like I think we got savvy interior pieces. Chris Coakley is not a really great defender, but Tosin Mahanty is good, and obviously Haha Lee is, is one of the best defenders, you know, help defenders in, in the country with with his blocks. So I like that as long as we're disciplined and we, we're protecting the paint against their bigs and uh, we get out and protect the three-point shot, then I love our chances. I'm, I, it's going to be single digits regardless. Texas does not mm-hmm. possess the type of offense. And, and we, just, we don't let a lot of teams run away from us anyway. Even Kansas. I mean, granted, they beat us by 20, but it was kind of a, a late, you know, kind of we brought in our reserve run that they had that got them up to 20 points. So we're not a kind of team that gets blown out. We may not have a great game offensively, but we're going to play scrappy enough, and we've got enough of uh, you know guys on the bench that we're going to keep things close. So, and that's all you ask for uh, against a team like Texas. So, you want to keep it close, hit some shots. Dirk Williams is going to have to stay hot. Uh, I think we're going to need to hit somewhere around eight to ten three pointers, in my opinion, um, because I don't think Chris Coakley is. I think he's going to be a ghost on the inside. I think they're going to totally sagged down on him like Kansas did. And they they put, you know, big after big after big. And teams like Texas have, like, they have guys on their bench that are, like, 6'9", six, 6'10", six, that don't ever play, that they can just put out there, to like, to foul, you know, just be body. So, but um, I like, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think we can get right. That, that would be a massive turning point. Because if we win this game, we beat Miles at home, which is a, you know, non-Division one team. And then we go to middle the the the, the middle of the next um, weekend and and um, that, that that's how you get momentum going and we need it badly. And I think the Rob father is going to really really see that and uh, a, a young coach I, I think really look look at these type of situation scenarios maybe even looking ahead like you mentioned with Middle Tennessee where there's going to be there, those practices. Preparing for Texas, I can guarantee you, are probably the most intense that UAB's had just because this is a great opportunity to really, really rally the troops. You know, after some people from the outside are going to say an up and down, we know UAB's issues. And it's a game like Texas, an effort against Texas, and not so much, you know, a, a, a 10-point blowout, but, you know, hanging until the last minute, hanging until the last shot, that is going to do wonders for that team's confidence, as you know as well. So, that's going to be a big game. I'll definitely know why. That's on the Longhorn Network, right? Yes, it will be. Yeah, I, I think it actually. That. No, it may be. Yeah, it's long. Yeah, it's not ESPNU. It's, it's Longhorn Network. So yeah, definitely oh, check yeah. it out. Ah, and I'll well, be which will be on watch, watch so. ESPN. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'll be on watch ESPN too. So it's, it's going to be a great game, and uh, I'm psyched. I wish I wish I was there. I've never I've never been to Austin before, but um, hell, we've never, never been, been to Austin before. So. Well, let me tell no, you what no. you would be—you would be disappointed though. I, I've been—I've been—I I was there 
I was probably the most hyped person in Austin when they played Vanderbilt a couple years ago. And that, I mean, that was dead, dude. I mean, we got cheap seats, and by the 10-minute by mark of the first half, we're sitting front row because I moved down. And so it, 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 it's, it's great, you know, like the Texas brand and all that. But for basketball, man, I, I just feel like they, they should do a whole lot better, especially with Shaka Smart. So I was kind of disappointed when I went, especially a team like Vanderbilt. I think Vanderbilt may have been ranked that time, but they had a really good team. And Texas was off to a good start, so I was kind of disappointed with that. But, I mean, either way, anytime you get an opportunity to play against the Horns, against the brand, I mean, obviously, this is something to see. But looking at Thursday, uh, the final game before Conference USA takes a pretty lengthy break. Thursday, basically the last game Thursday until Wednesday the 28th. Uh, and you're looking at this game, Marshall and Cincinnati, we talked about Marshall. Does Marshall have enough depth to hang? Notice I didn't say win. Notice I didn't say shock. Notice I didn't say grab momentum. You know that stuff that we've talked about, but just hang with Cincinnati on the road. Yeah, they do. They do uh, now. Uh, now that C.J. Burks is back, and I have the sneaky suspicion that Dan D'Antoni has Terrence Thompson ready to play, that he's decided not to play him the other night, like or he's real close. If they have him and uh, they have Terrence Thompson, DJ, uh, C.J. Burks. And then the usual, you know, the usual squad. I mean, why not? I mean, Cincinnati is – they rank towards the bottom in three-point uh, – uh, protecting the three-point line, and, and that's what Marshall does. If Marshall can get a couple shots in, I like their chances. I, I, I didn't at first, but now that I see a couple of these guys that have been, that have been injured have, coming back into um, in the fold, this, this may be what, just like what Marshall did last year. They, they had a terrible non-conference last year. But then they went out to a Las Vegas tournament, beat a couple good teams. John Elmore became eligible in December for them last year. And you, you know what happened. I think they went like 6-0 and to start USA play last year, mm-hmm. something like yep. that. I mean, like they, ju- they jumped out. That, that, that's how Dan rolls. I mean, Dan, Dan's the kind of guy that could care less really what happens in the non-conference. Like, he, he'll play with his lineup. He'll let guys get healthy. But when, when when non-conference play gets in, it gets going, and they're and they're running at a tempo that's as fast as any in the country, it's so hard to prepare for, especially on these Thursday Saturday turnarounds for CUSA teams. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I like Marshall going to conference play, and heck, I would love nothing more to see them beat Cincinnati. So definitely some games against some power. Oh, if you want to call Cincinnati a power opponent, but a respectable opponent on the wrong to kind of get right as we inch closer to Conference USA play. And this is probably going to be our last show of the year. Uh, obviously, I'm taking vacation, as I know Davis from the 23rd, probably until the 27th, 28th. I'll be out of commission, both on minor rush and all the other things. So want to wish y'all a definitely a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, we're going to work on some details to try to get back. I would love to – I know Dave, too, would love to get back before that Conference USA opening weekend, possibly that Thursday, that Friday, because there are some big, big games. Just kind of tease Dave. a little bit, Dave. Just te- tease us a little bit about that Conference USA weekend and just some kind of thoughts that were almost exactly a week away from that. Man, you caught me off a little off guard just a little bit. I mean, the the, the big headliner is Sunday, um, and that's when when Middle and UAB play. And I've got to assume that middle, if I'm not mistaken, they've got a couple of cupcakes between now and then. They'll be like a 12-win team. But um, in, in UAB, who knows? They could be on a three-win, three-game win streak going into it. But let me pull up here 
what the slate looks like. I'm almost there now. They start Saturday the 31st. Yeah, here we go. Uh, oh, the sexiest one's got to be Rice and Old Dominion on that Saturday. Ooh, I mean, where's that? That's, gonna, that's in Norfolk. That that's that's going to be sexy. Man. Man. That that's you're talking that's about the awesome. contrast of two styles. I know, <laughs> I, man. I, that that is that has got me got me got me fired up a little bit right there. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's the that's the headliner. That's that's that. Um, all those games on that Saturday are at eleven or twelve Central Time. There's nothing that Jeez. afternoon. Oh, it is New Year's so they're all, Eve, right? New Year's Eve. Is yeah, it's Saturday, people got to get yeah. out and go. But there's uh, there's not really anything else out there. I mean, maybe Western at Florida Atlantic at noon. I, I mean, that, that that'll kind of give you a yeah, that'll give you a barometer of of, of where Western and it's Florida. Yeah, yeah, and then Sunday, Sunday, like I said, the UAB Middle. Um, that's the headliner. Uh, Tex at Southern. That's not a game right now. And then the, there's a team in El Paso that I, you may be familiar with. That's got trek up to San Antonio on that Sunday. So, how how, um, how far is uh, uh, El Paso from San Antonio? Uh, about eight hours flat. I think I've made Jeez, it eight hours right. flat before. Yeah, it's and, and you know what? It's not a sight. It's not a sightseeing tour either. You see uh, a town with a gas station and a McDonald's and a Dairy Queen, uh, probably every two hundred miles in that five hundred mile trip. And you're it's not you're, pretty. You're in the same state, but you're eight hours away. That blows yeah, my mind. I think I could get to. I, I think I could get to uh, to San Diego quicker than I can get to Houston. <laughs> that that is crazy. It's an interesting slate for UTEP because on the 30th, on that Friday, they go up to New Mexico State to, for round two of the Battle of I-10, and then they turn around right away. So you're talking about yeah. a really tough slate against a UTSA team that is doing what UTEP is struggling right now, and that's playing physical. Uh, that's what we, what Steve Henson is, is doing there. So that's that, – I mean, like I mentioned earlier, luckily I was muffled where you couldn't hear my full take because it was very sad. <laughs> Probably could hear some violins in the background, man. I'm gonna be crying and shit, but yeah, that, that's gonna be a tough one. You know, I, any game for UTEP is tough. I don't care if we're playing Southeastern Oklahoma State, the Savage Storm. It's gonna be tough. <laughs> oh Lord, oh, my. I'll, I'll, I'll pray for y'all against uh, Maryland Eastern Shore coming up. Yeah, pray for us, drink for us, do everything, cause yeah, it's. But but you know what? Let me tell you this though. Twitter is fun, man. But <laughs> it sucks. But Twitter is Mad Twitter is good as fun Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Like like I told uh, like I told Josh Puga, I was like, you know what? The losses are great for Twitter content, but for the heart and soul, it's just it's a killer, man. It's a killer to be a Utah fan during these times. Man, I was I was sitting at the uh, media table last night, and I actually started packing up my laptop with like five minutes ago because we were up. What I felt like was a comfortable lead. It was single digit, but I just kind of felt like we were controlling. And then it got worse, and then it got worse. And and I just sat there, and I was looking at the scoreboard, and I said, man, I can't imagine a worse scenario than walking out of here losing the Southern, than having to go to Texas, and then going to Conference USA play, man. Losing is just – it's just brutal. It's yeah. so brutal. And, 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 that, and that morale. particular situation that you were talking about with UAB, that's right on the head, bro. Oh, man. Thank God we didn't. And we just fell dead. <laughs> but thank God we didn't. Thank God for a, for a tip in and overtime. 
So there man, you have I was it, watching folks. it live, and I thought we lost. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Nah, you good, man. Nah, go ahead, man. Go ahead. But now, nah, definitely feel that. It was kind of I, I kind of done the same thing, too. And I saw one of your last tweets. I was like, oh, all right, they got this. And then a couple of your tweets later, I was like, oh, let me check. Let me check the box score. Definitely an interesting week and, and a big week this week to be able just to get yourself right. All teams involved, whether it's UAB, whether it's WKU, any, everybody has one more week before it all. Starts for real next in the weekend of December 30th. Dave, it was a rough one today, but hey, we got through. It's not about how you start, it's about how you finish, baby. I, atta boy, atta boy, my man, Dave. <laughs> catch, him, catch him on Twitter. Check out the Daily Dragon for all your updated UAB information. I got you covered over there at SB Nation Minor Rush. And like I said, we'll let y'all know. Follow us on Twitter. We'll let you guys know when we can get together to do the first edition of the conference play. See USA. That's almost time, already, baby. Yeah, I'm, I'm fired up already for it, man. So, Dave, I appreciate your time. Appreciate everybody's patience out there as we battle through these audio issues. Everybody have a great Christmas break. Everybody enjoy the time off. Enjoy your family. Be thankful for whatever you have, even though it is the holiday season. Dave, catch you later, my man. Merry Christmas, guys.